Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 7 of Dr. Music. I'm Matthew Marullo. Thank you so much for joining me again. What do you think is the most famous song in movie history? Think about that for a second. If you said Over the Rainbow, music by Harold Arlen and lyrics by E.Y. Harburg, you are correct. The National Endowment for the Arts rated this number one for the songs of the century, and the American Film Institute rated this number one, the greatest song in movie history. Now, what is it that is so great about this song? I mean, everybody knows it. Even if you haven't seen The Wizard of Oz, I'm sure you've heard of it. But if we dig deep into the music itself, is there something unusual or special about this music that makes it so incredibly magical? I could tell you as a music theorist and somebody who's studied a lot of music history, often the best songs that are written have poetry embedded in the music itself. Not necessarily the lyrics. The lyrics could be very poetic. I'm talking about the notes themselves. There's something hidden and very unique about the notes that the composer chose that make the music especially poetic and meaningful. And the best works of art in general, what are they doing? What are they doing so successfully? They're painting a picture of the human condition or humanity and doing it in such a way that it's remembered and just survives the ages. If you're familiar with any of the other episodes in my podcast, you know that I I like to analyze music and try to make you understand, without getting too technical, what is it that's so special about the notes? Besides the fact that the notes are memorable and we could sing the tune, not always, there are some great music that are not singable at all, but in this case, this is a very memorable tune. But there's some hidden poetry in there, so let's figure that out. I'm going to start out by playing the first phrase for you on the piano. Isn't that lovely? Now, let's recall what this song is about. This is about a teenage girl yearning for something different in her life, yearning for adventure, yearning for a different land. Remember, the lyrics go, Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high, there's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby. I'm not going to sing that for you because I want my listeners to actually keep listening. I'm going to have Judy Garland sing that for you later. But for now... Let's think about the melody itself. It starts off with an octave leap. Now, remember, an octave is an interval. It's a musical space. And an octave goes from one note, in this case an E-flat, to the same note, either above or below it. In this case, it's above it. So it's going from an E-flat to the next E-flat above it. Now, why is it going up? Well, that makes sense. Remember, this girl, Dorothy, is hoping to go above the rainbow. She's dreaming about what's above the rainbow. So the melody reaches up. She's reaching up. But the problem is she's grounded on Earth. She can't actually get above the rainbow, at least not yet. And how is this reflected in the music? Well, the notes begin to descend. So there's that octave leap reaching up never getting above the rainbow, and then slowly, as she starts talking about, musing about what's above the rainbow, 
the notes begin to descend. They start to go down. For example, right after that, when she sings way up high, the notes for way up is another leap, but smaller than an octave. It's called a major sixth. Then when she sings, there's a land that I heard of, there's a, is another leap up, but it's a little bit smaller. It's a minor sixth. And then right after that, the notes continue to descend in general until she winds up landing on the very first note of the piece, the low E flat. So in a way, the contour of the melody kind of imitates the arc of a rainbow. It rises, it starts off going high and then gradually descends, ending up on the very first low note. So the way the melody is painting a picture of the lyrics is very characteristic of the Romantic period. These notes are reflecting what the piece is about, and they're also reaching for something, reaching for something unattainable. The rainbow, you can't go above the rainbow. You want to, but you just can't reach it. Now, within that first phrase, there's also these little cells of notes, four or five notes, that are imitating exactly what I talk about. They're reaching up. You can almost think of it as the melody getting lower and lower, and yet she's grasping. As the melody is descending, she keeps grasping, trying to get higher, but she's getting dragged down to where she actually lives on Earth. Now, these little cells that I'm talking about, they span an interval of a fourth. And remember, an interval of a fourth simply means that you're going from the bottom note four notes up. For instance, let's say you start on a C. Well, if you're spanning a fourth, you're going to go from C to F because F is four notes above C. C, D, E, F. By the way, if you stay on the same note, that's still considered an interval. In other words, if you start on a C and then end on that very same C, that's called a unison. So it's, it's an interval, but it's the same note. So let me play you some of these intervals of a fourth that I'm talking about in that first phrase. After that first octave leap in the very beginning, there's a, you know, going from E flat to E flat, we hear this. Those notes that I just played, they span an interval of a fourth. And you notice that they're going up. Da, 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 da. So they're reaching up. Then later on, when she sings, land that I heard of, you get the same thing. And then right after that, it's a repetition. It's just one step down, a little bit lower, on the words once and a la la, and then the very last note is by. So let me play you the entire melody, just the right hand, so you could hear how you first have that octave leap, and then the leaps are getting lower. And at the same time, there are these little cells of five notes that are reaching up, spanning a fourth. what happens next? Well, that phrase repeats, but the lyrics are different, but it's the same idea. She's dreaming of being somewhere else, somewhere far away over the rainbow. So she says, somewhere over the rainbow skies are blue, 
and the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true. Well, she hopes they come true. So that repeated melody was the A section. What happens in the B section of this piece? This is what she sings. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me. So she's still dreaming. She's still dreaming that she's far above the rainbow. And then to echo that, she finishes off with When troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops. That's where you'll find me. Now I want to play that first phrase for you, which begins with this kind of oscillating figure, just going back and forth between two notes. Now, based on what I was discussing before, those collection of notes that I just played span a certain interval from the lowest to the highest note. You want to take a guess what interval it spans? If you set a fourth, you're right. Again, she's grasping, trying to reach higher. That's what this music is about. It's trying to get somewhere that you really can't get. And this interval of fourth is like a motif. It's, it's the grasping motif, the yearning motif. Striving to get higher, striving to get over that rainbow. Now let me play you the next phrase right after that, and you'll hear that it's very similar. Again, those notes span to fourth, but listen to how it ends. That's where she sings, that's where you'll find me. And the very last two notes that I played, that interval was also a fourth, but not a fourth going up, a fourth descending. Ah, Dorothy, you're really trying your best, but you just can't get up there. You keep slipping down. Now, the main melody after this comes back, but the piece, if you remember, ends with a question. Remember, she sings, Somewhere over the rainbow, blue birds fly. Birds fly over the rainbow. Why then, why can't I? Question mark. And this frustration is reflected again in the music. The music is trying to get up there. It it starts with that octave leap, but then slowly it gets dragged down to the very first low E flat. But then after she sings that, listen to how it ends. It ends with a little coda, which is just an ending, and she sings the melody from the B section. She sings, If happy little bluebirds fly beyond the rainbow, why, oh, why can't I? listen to the notes for the very ending, why, oh, why, can't. But then she says, I. So the notes for why, oh, why, can't span a fourth. There's the fourth. But then she reaches up an extra note for a fifth and lands on the top E flat, the high E flat, not the low one. Did she get above the rainbow? No, her dreams reach the rainbow. Just as, remember in the movie, she gets knocked out and she dreams, that entire movie, of course, is a dream that she's in the land of Oz. 
So at least in her dreams, in her hopes, she did get over the rainbow. And that's reflected in the music because her very last note is not a low note, but a high note. Not the highest note in the piece. Actually, the highest note in the piece is where she says the word find, where you'll find me. But remember, when she actually sings those words, find me, it's a descending fourth. So I think that's just wonderful how the notes themselves are a poem, a musical poem, reflecting what the lyrics are about. And to me, that is the greatest kind of song, a song that doesn't just have a memorable melody and wonderful chord progressions, but there's not just poetry in the lyrics themselves, but in the notes, in the way the composer composed the notes. And there are so many gems in terms of music theory throughout this song. I can't talk about all of them, but for instance, the way the composer uses intermelodic lines or contrapuntal lines. Remember, the the word counterpoint means simultaneous, rhythmically independent melodies, and composers will use contrapuntal lines or melodic lines of accompaniment to add color to the music. You could think of it as brush strokes, adding a dab of paint here, a dab of this color there. For example, when she sings way up high, remember she's reaching for height, those inner contrapuntal lines are descending down chromatically by half step, like this. Now let me play for you the phrase where that occurs. And when that inner melodic line, as it's going down chromatically, it lands on the first note of the main melody. So in other words, what's an accompaniment line, drags the melody down, says, nope, you're going too high, and then lands on the very first note of the main melody. So as she's singing this word high, while she's holding out the word high, this melodic line, this inner melodic line, is going down chromatically, and then when it finally lands on its last note, that last note becomes the first note of the main melody. There's a land that I heard of. Let me play that for you one more time. This episode would not be complete unless I played Judy Garland herself singing Over the Rainbow. Where 
their troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops. That's where you I just wanted to add parenthetically that 1939 might be the best year in film history. Not only was The Wizard of Oz made, Gone with the Wind, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Wuthering Heights, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Stagecoach, and so many others. And Some of the ones I mentioned are rated among the top films of all time. So if I was able to go back in time and witness the premiere of some of the greatest films, I think I would choose 1939. But at least I was alive in 1977 to witness the premiere of Star Wars. Not too shabby. I hope to see you next time, because one thing about Dr. Music, it just gets better and better. <laughs>